Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast for adults. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. This is our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Today, we present episode 439. Presenter D brings us a class on Sadism 101. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com My name's D. I've been in the lifestyle for a little over five years now and have pretty much always been drawn to various types of sadism and sadistic play. So, which obviously Sadism 101 is the class. One of the first things I want to do is get a little bit of everyone waking up and stuff like that. It's kind of know where everyone else is at as far as like experience, what people have done. Because it is a 101 class, but I also don't want to glaze anyone's eyes over with stuff that everyone already kind of knows and stuff like that. So we'll start this way. But as far as like sadism, like what, what, what does everyone have experience on that? Because this will be also, I, I interact a lot. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I, I prefer it that way. I've ADHD kid. I hate to sit in a class quietly for an hour, an hour and a half. So I don't do it to anybody else either. Um, but we'll start right here. Yeah, um, I'm Tony, uh, public anemone, I'm fat. Um, never thought I was a sadist at mm. all. Mm. Good, uh, okay. I always thought I was a pleasure dom or daddy dom, um, but with mm. a perfect. specific partner, uh, brats a fair amount, um, a, a, a mean streak of sadism has come out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's in me. Just don't know, you know exactly how much. That's perfect. And also, you said two things that are perfect points to get back to in a minute, too. Name's Chris, Club the Seal on Pit. Uh, for the last almost 15 years, I've been doing drafting for a metal fabrication company. So when they nice. leave and the shop is empty, <laughs> um, but I've also got backgrounds in leatherworking, metalworking, woodworking. Wow. I was an industrial arts teacher when I grew up, so I literally spent my pre kindergarten years running around high school kids. Grandfather on that side ran a lumberyard, grandfather on the other side ran a dairy farm, so if I could get my hands on it, I played with it. And so I had tendencies of looking at this and going, what can I do with this to make this softer? What can I do with this to make it meaner? <laughs> I like that. No, that's awesome. I know y'all, but go ahead anyway. <laughs> Uh, I'm particular princess B. Uh, I go by B. Um, I've been in around probably eight or nine years now. I'm not a masochist. <laughs> um, we have lots of those not masochist yeah. people. Sorry. <laughs> Elaine is a saint. I'm Elaine. I'm this is brand new, less than a year. Cool. So I'm here to absorb as much information as I can. Awesome. Perfect. And we'll kind of work our way backwards this way. So we'll start with you. Sure. Lucian, uh, seven years. Nice. And I'm not sure if I'm necessarily a sadist or if I get pleasure from my masochist getting pleasure from mm. me inflicting. So there's kind of a fine line there. No, that's perfect. Hi, I'm Alex. I've been in the for about a year and my current self has a pretty low pain tolerance, but I really enjoy seeing his reactions when I do get to push his hands a little bit. Mm. Reactions are always fun. Um, blush, um, I guess really kind of doing this for about a year or so now, but have always known that I was a sadist. <laughs> 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 so, kind of just taking it from the top because this was interesting. Perfect. 
Yes. Um, I'm Coco, Coco some days, and uh, brand new into this side, sexually always been submissive, didn't even think this was in my realm. Uh, someone kind of brought it out, and nice. now I've realized it's better than therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm Ant, or who will be harmed. Um, been like really in and out of the scene. Um, <clears throat> but trying to get back in since I came here last October. Uh, I've been a sadist for a long time, didn't realize so much that I was. Uh, I thought I was pretty vanilla until someone pointed out that I was absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. That was one of those, yeah, like one of those, oh, of course, moments. I still have those sometimes. I'm like, oh, shit, I saw this coming. No, that's perfect. That's actually why I asked because um, there's a few things that are said that I actually kind of want to dive into first after the the basic disclaimer. Like I said, it's 101 level class. Also, me personally, while I love sadism and love being a sadist, I do a lot of different things with it. I would not by any stretch of the imagination say I'm an expert. I'm a lifetime student, so I'm still constantly learning new things. Um, so, and if you... if anything out of this conspires an idea and you take it and run with it a different direction fantastic because that's kind of the point like creativity is actually one of the best parts about it um which is why actually as i go through i'm going to go through like kind of some different types of sadism also some kind of all of will call them misconceptions but like you you two actually hit a couple that people often do say so i, I guess we'll call them misconceptions or like some thought process type stuff and then the different types probably ending on impact because honestly I think when people think of sadism the impact kind of comes to mind first and it's cool it's fun hitting things hurting things is fun but there's also so so much more so I'm going to kind of save that towards like the end part um so yeah the first part obviously like the safety negotiations it, it's a given but it's kind of an important part like knowing because there's a pretty big difference between like you know clinical sadism hurting someone who doesn't want to be hurt and didn't consent to it versus what we do lifestyle-wise, sadism, where it's, it's consensual. Maybe they don't want it, but they still consented. Like, that's a whole different aspect of it right there. But those are definitely different parts as far as sadism. So the consent piece, talking things through, knowing what people are okay with, knowing, knowing how to know when people aren't okay. Because um, some people like to play with a, like, no means nothing type play, some CNC, things like that. But still knowing when there's enough and, and also knowing who you're playing with, there's a lot of different facets to that. Like I know me personally, like my sadism tends to come out stronger when there's a really good connection for me. Um, versus just pickup play. For pickup play, I will do like a tasting with someone. It's fun. I still have a good time, but it's not, I'm not pushing anyone, like you said, pushing anyone's limits or, or trying to get those reactions really, really deeply because just don't know them like that. Don't want to be responsible for them like that. Um, and I would rather someone want more, want to come back for more another round than think it was way too much and never want to come around again, right? So that's like the dangerous side of, of some of what we do. Also knowing a little bit of basic human anatomy is good as far as where you can hit people, what you can do, what kind of damage you can do to people, understanding the risk of certain types of play, which we'll go through as I hit the different plays, but still, there is inherent risk in just about any type of play, especially when you're playing with pain, playing with hurting people, things like that. There's psychological risks, physical risks, things of that nature. So that's the that's the first safety part and just knowing how to check in with people, um, which we'll go a little more in depth with that too, because checking in is an art. 
I feel like, because there's a way to check in that can totally ruin it, like ruin the scene, ruin the headspace. I've actually heard people say like, oh, I can't space because like you keep checking in. But also you can't not check in, especially if someone you've not played with. So it's kind of an art around that too, knowing some things people like. Like if it's someone who you don't know as well, I like to maybe put a hand on like the back of the shoulder or something like that and just kind of take a beat. Let them breathe, kind of get that gauge. And that's sort of the, okay, we're good to keep going type situation. Um, some people I'm a little closer to, a nice hair pool. I just like mockingly ask them how they're doing and tell them I don't care and push your head back and keep playing. I do, but it's how it keeps the it keeps the scene going. It keeps the flow going on stuff. So checking in, knowing how to read people is a pretty important part. Like knowing how, uh, like for example, like my own slave, she loves whips. She can usually do them, but every once in a while she'll get in her own head a little bit. And I can tell, like, her body language is different. Everything about it's different. And that's sometimes I know I need to pull back a little, even because she won't say it, because we've been playing for years. She won't say, but I can tell. Like, I can see it. So it's reading people, reading the room in that sense to know, hey, too much or not enough sometimes. And then there also comes a matter of um, through different skill sets, whether it be impact, whether it be humiliation, degradation, whatever, and, like, different types of play, there's also like a crossroads of what I would almost call it confidence versus incompetence. Like you've got to know what you're doing, but you also have to have the confidence that you do in fact know what you're doing because sometimes the worst thing to do is to actually stop when someone's kind of on that ledge. Um, sometimes the worst thing to do is to call a scene because then that person will feel guilty and drop like hell the next day. And really enough confidence to know that person and know your own skills and keep going would have actually kind of, you could have landed that. You could have like cooled that scene down and landed that in a much safer place as opposed to leaving someone kind of high and droppy as fuck because now they feel like they let you down, which is a thing because people on the bottom side often will feel like they didn't do it right or didn't do enough, which kind of comes to one of the first parts on the misconceptions, what you said about he's not a very heavy bottom, but you like the reactions. So that's one of the misconceptions is that someone has to be a heavy bottom for, like I said, just to be satisfied because I'm not going to lie. For me personally, like speaking of my own experience, I, I don't really care if someone can take a lot. I care that they're taking as much as they can for me, right? Like it's the reactions, like you said. It's the, it's that genuine exchange of emotion and it's those reactions and that whole, that makes it kind of its own little dance in a sense. So I don't care, like I have a friend of mine, she hates whips. She'll let me do them on her, but I almost never hit her with them. I whip them towards her, I whip them around her, and I brush the cracker on her skin barely without ever actually like causing any pain. And while that might from the outside be like, oh, she's not taking much. No, no, she's terrified. Like the, the amount of fear that she has, she's like about to climb up across from in fear from it. And she doesn't even know which is worse, facing away or facing towards because she can see it facing towards, so that's scary. But then she doesn't know what's happening facing away, so that's also terrifying. I like to flick her hair some with whips, stuff like that. Sometimes with caning, I like to... Um, not hit like I'll do like a couple little beats and then swing like I'm gonna swing and then not actually swing which is as a friend of ours once called me a mental terrorist for it because I kept doing it to her because I could tell she was taking she wasn't really feeling much more hits we're doing a scene with a couple different bottoms she wasn't feeling a lot more like getting hit but I also didn't want to leave her out of the scene because that would just kind of ruin it for her so I kept doing little things like that little psychological stuff just to fuck with her to keep her in scene keep her having a good time and keep it flowing so, and I've never really quite forgot the mental terrorist. I'm like, that's a, that's a fun one, I'll, I'll keep it. Um, 
But that's one of the misconceptions is it has to be intense or it has to be hard for it to be like really sadistic. No, if someone's letting you do something to them that's like really scary, they're giving you that trust or it's something that really hurts them. Maybe it's because I had a, there's a girl I used to play with one time too that weirdly hated thud. Like hated thud, which is usually the opposite. Sting is the thing you usually have to kind of like work people into and thuddy stuff people are all about all day. She hated it. Like hated it. Would red on the first hit with like a bat or, or something heavy. She's just like, nope. But she wanted to try, so she let me try. And, like, it wasn't, I wasn't hitting her hard. But, like, she was letting me do it, and she was and she was scared, and she was trusting me. And that whole dance just made it incredibly awesome. I was one of the first times she ever got bruises from a scene because she never really played with heavy stuff, so she never really got bruises. She just got little surface-level marks. So, and we still talk about it to this day because it was really fun. So that's one of the first misconceptions is it has to be, like, this intenseness. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't at all. Um... In fact, I would say just the fact that someone is, let, is, is putting that kind of trust to you and the fact that you are owning that trust and you're not going to, hopefully, not going to fuck it up on purpose, that's a big thing. That, that is the entire dance of it. And for me, it's actually one of the biggest appeals of sadism in general. It's like someone actually wants me and trusts me to do these kind of things. Um, so that's the first misconception where people have about it not having to be intense. And then, in your case, sadism as a service is absolutely a thing. Because you had mentioned that maybe you're not sure if it's for the reaction or if it's because you just like to make that person happy, which is, would be very much like a service top type situation, which is fine. Doesn't matter, still counts. Still the same skill set. It's still reading the person, still letting them learn. They might, and then of course, like, a lot of times the enjoyment, some of the fun. Um, like, I love playing with people who love what they're doing. And I love playing with people who are having a great time. Um, also like playing with people who hate what we're doing, but that's a different level. <laughs> that's a different level of sadism. That also is very, very much reserved for people I trust a lot. Because, um, and they have to trust me a lot, obviously, for that. But no, top, um, topping someone because they enjoy it, though, doesn't make it any less genuine or any less of a scene. It's still that same delicate dance. You, they're still trusting you. You still are learning your own skills. You're still learning your own competence and having your own confidence to do it well. And I imagine whether it's because they're enjoying it or not, you're still enjoying yourself quite a bit too, right? So there you go. That's, what, that's one that people kind of almost... I've even seen it to where the S-types are the sadist as well because their top likes pain. And that doesn't change their dynamic at all. Just because the S-type is the one holding the toys doesn't make them any, the other person's telling them what to do. It doesn't make, in that situation, which is different from what yours is, but that's another misconception, is it's top is not always the one in charge. Um, sometimes if somebody wants to have this thing done to them, they're gonna have this thing done to them. So, um, actually a, a good example that Bob Rubel and his, his mistress, she likes to be flogged, she has him flog her. She is very much the mistress. He's very much her slave. She still loves to have him flog her because she loves how it feels. She says it feels like a nice big massage. So she'll lay on a table and have him do it, and sometimes she'll kind of hold him by the balls while he does it, and that's their own whole thing. So, which is, again, she's still getting what she wants. He's still getting what he wants, and people like what they like. So it's another misconception is that the person doing the hitting and doing the hurting has to always be the top. It doesn't, actually, or has to always be the one in charge. Top doesn't have to be the one in charge. Then the other one that you said is one that I've, I've saved for last because I do love this one. I love the, um, 
I love titles. I love titles. I also hate titles. Because, like, sometimes there's so much in, like, as you said, Daddy Dom, like, that type of stuff, and, and Sensual, and you even said Pleasure Dom as well. So a title can tell someone a lot, but it also doesn't, because sometimes it's a box, right? Like, I like to look at titles like a street sign. Like, maybe you're on Elm Street, but you might be at 13 Elm Street. You might be at 52 Elm Street. There's a big difference between the two, right? Um, so, for me, when you, say, when you see, like, oh, yeah. I'm going to try not to go way off topic and tangent this, but like when you see someone like a daddy dom, like there's no reason not to be sadistic on that too, especially if you have someone who's into it. Uh, you're still, again, still giving them what they want, but also there's that discipline aspect of it, which is a whole side of sadism, the whole disciplinarian, that part, which is a style I personally don't really, that's not really my style. Like I don't really like to have a reason. I actually prefer a scene without a reason. But I know some people really love like the naughty school, like the, the, whole, the whole setup and the entire like role play of it. So that's the whole thing. But when you're doing, when you're like a daddy dom and you're caring, like you can do both. The both are a thing. Um, I have a, a reputation of being a bit of a teddy bear when I'm done playing with, with certain people. Sometimes a surprise reputation of being a bit of a teddy bear actually. But no, there's nothing that says that you have to be like on all the time or that you're just like this stoic, like, oh, I'm about to hate people. And it's just not, it's not really like that. Like that's just, that's weird. I've met people like that sometimes, and I'm like, please stop. Um, <laughs> I mean, if they're genuine, no, don't please stop. But sometimes it's, it doesn't seem genuine. Sometimes it seems like people are trying to live up to a something in their head that's not real, and you can tell from a mile away, and it's very painful. <laughs> it's its own form of sadism, I guess, just to walk around cringing people out. But... Uh, but regardless, no, like if there's nothing wrong with being like soft and sweet afterwards. In fact, that's a great time to connect with someone. Um, heck, sometimes you, sometimes you play around with people and find those buttons and fuck around and find out the whole other side of them you didn't know was there and they didn't know still existed. So that's the whole thing. So, hi. Um. <laughs> so, and it's a good time after a scene to connect because there is that vulnerability. Like you just... Someone trusted you, you trusted someone, because also as a top, you are putting a lot of trust in people, which I'm, I'm gonna kind of back up on that. That's why I say when I do intense scenes, it is with people I trust, because at the end of the day, I understand if shit goes sideways, like legally, it's me. It's not the bottom, it's not the person I did it to. And while consent matters to a jury, legally, it may not in some states, because you know, well, I won't get into all of that, but yeah, consent doesn't really mean a lot in some states. Um, yes. Else right now. Yes, absolutely. No, that's actually they have a lot of good. Like I appreciate you guys being here too, because I'm like a lot. I had like a lot of good classes on ten o'clock slot. I was like, damn, it's kind of in a different slot. <laughs> um, but no, they. But because of that, I'm I'm pretty careful. Like I like to play with people, especially if I'm gonna be playing intensely. If I'm playing in a way that's gonna draw blood intentionally, or or it's gonna like cause real harm. Harm in quotes. I'll get to that in a minute. But harm in quotation marks. But if it's gonna cause any kind of real risk. I, as a top, definitely like to know that this person's safe too. That's why I say like I don't do a lot of intenseness in, on pickup play because I'm not really trying to explain that later to anybody. Whereas if it's like my wife who's my slave, we'd have the same health insurance, it's fine. If it's one of my partners who I'm really close with, I don't mind being around for the long haul to take care of what might go wrong. And I'm aware that things might go wrong. And so were they. And I also know I can trust them that they knew that too. Uh, also as a, as a sadist and as a top, sometimes if you get on that same vein. Sometimes if you get known for being sadistic and being good at certain things, there are people who, who, 
gravitate. Well, they gravitate. That's a that's not that's a good thing, but there's a double side to that coin. Because it is fun. It's fun to go to a party and know that you're probably not going to not have a fun time. That's a plus. There's a negative though, because sometimes you also get people who who do like this like competitive masochism thing, which is super unhealthy, uh, super weird, and and they just want to play because like they've heard you can hit hard, and I'm like, no, let's not. Because that sounds like a way for someone to get hurt and also a way for me to get in a lot of trouble. And I'm also not a vending machine nor a product, so no. And that's a piece that comes with it too, is just kind of knowing where people are and what you're comfortable with. Again, it's that competence and a confidence piece and, and knowing the two and where they marry. Um, and as far as, but like I said, all that to say, post scene, that connection is pretty electric. It is not a bad time to like actually let those daddy vibes go crazy. It's a great time. Like someone just lets you, let you do whatever to them, let you wail on them for a little bit, let you cut them, let you threaten to drown them, whatever it is, whatever form of sadism it happens to be, they're excited, you're excited. It's actually a great time for that connection. So I definitely don't see them as like opposite sides of a coin. I, 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 why not have both? And then you get into the disciplinarian side as far as like daddy, baby, girl, daddy, little type stuff. There's sadism involved in that too because it has to actually feel at least somewhat like a punishment, right? Instead of a punishment all the time. So there's that part of, of the sadistic side of it. Um, that being said too, even the aftercare part, I would would go into from from that piece into aftercare. I'm gonna segue from that because aftercare is a place I also feel like should be negotiated very much up front with people because it is a spot that I have personally noticed is where people tend to maybe ask for more than was ever offered. Um, it's a place where people can take advantage even both ways. Like I've seen tops kind of use the cuddling aftercare as like an excuse to try to take something that wasn't inherently sexual to a sexual place when that wasn't what they discussed before they played. And I've seen bottoms do the same to tops, like in either way. So that's something that's good to know, like, hey, what are we doing posting? Like if it's your partner who you're, of course, right? Like why not? That's like a perfect reason and a perfect like place for that. Again, pick up player, someone you don't know. No, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It's a weird thing to ask to be like incredibly intimate with someone just because y'all play one time. It's a really strange thing on either side of slash to, to really like force from someone. So that's also something to know going into it is like, what's this person going to need? What are they going to need after? What do I need after? Because tops drop too. Intense scenes can definitely cause some drop. And even fun ones can. So no one like, like me personally, I know if I stay hydrated and I actually sleep, in a little bit the day after a party or a day after an intense scene, I'm probably gonna be okay. If I didn't do either of those two things, it's not gonna be a great day. It's gonna feel like a hangover the whole day and I'm not gonna remember anything, literally anything. Uh, you could tell me something right now, I walk into the next room, it's gone. Cause I get that cloudy headedness the day after. So that's also something that was what you need, what you need to get taken care of and what the other person needs so you can take care of them and you know be a decent human being. So, those are kind of like the precursors, I guess, which is kind of a lot of precursors, but also some other misconceptions on it too is it's not, it's not just impact and not just hitting. Because I think that's a thought, and it's also not even just necessarily physical pain. Um, there's a whole lot of realms of stuff that can go into sadism. Um, emotional sadism and mental sadism are definitely some things like locking someone in a cage who otherwise would not, not want to be. Like again, there's, that can be a very kind thing because like for my slave, it's a place I can ground her and calm her down. 
But it can also be an anxiety disease. You put someone in a cage and go do something else for a minute. Be close enough to let them out. Obviously, safety stuff there. But but go go in the other room, do something for a minute and stuff like that. Leave someone kind of alone. That is a terrifying thing for some people. That's a like awful form of sadism for someone. For some types of people, some people it's what they've wanted their whole life and they're so grateful. But or like like putting someone in a closet and kind of like chaining them up or or even using pleasure for sadism. Like orgasms are great until about the 10th, 15th one, and then all of a sudden it's like, please no more. That's fun to make someone beg to not actually get off. That is, that is hilarious. And then make fun of them for it. Because then it makes it happen more. And then make fun of them for that too. It just keeps the cycle going. It's just like, oh my gosh. The next thing you know, you just have this entire scene based around no one getting hit at all. It's just orgasm torture. Another one as far as that is... Or one time I like had my slave in a cage and I put a vibrator just close enough to her and went and took a shower and I told her she could once. And I didn't know how long I was gonna be, so make it so don't do it too soon and make it count. Because nothing's moving, because she was cuffed, so nothing was moving. So just watching the watching the struggle of like is now the time or not. Especially because she like had a hood on and cuffs, so she had no concept of how long five minutes, ten minutes was. That was great. Again, the squirminess, the reactions like you were talking about, you get lots of all kinds of great reactions from that. Uh, and power exchange itself, or like a total authority transfer, that's its own form of like of sadism because you can actually make people do things they don't want to do, which is actually adds to the authority side of it too, but like genuinely things they don't want to do. Um, and you know it's not something they want to, and sometimes it can be things that are good for them, like, you know, taking care of themselves because they don't know what it is. But... Um, so there's a lot. There's a whole slew of people, or I guess whoever I'm attracted to, just like will take care of everyone else but themselves. I don't know. I guess it's like my type. I don't know. But there's a whole thing of people taking care of everyone and not themselves to make them stop and say no to people and take care of themselves. And then to watch like the the foot stomp that comes with it sometimes, and like the uh, the discomfort of making someone actually do something good for themselves is hilarious. And again, it's sadism, but it's also the total authority transfer, and it's also. You helping someone do something for themselves. So again, it doesn't always have to be physical pain, right? And not all pain's bad pain. Like sometimes it's discomfort to do a good thing. Um, other types as far as humiliation, degradation, those types of play, objectification, love objectification, like not letting someone speak for a certain amount of time, having someone basically footstool or do something embarrassing, especially at a party in front of people. Um, Oh, another one I like to do actually a lot to a couple of my partners because they do not, they don't particularly like their body, so they hate being naked. So naturally, when we're together, they always are, um, because that discomfort creates a vulnerability that's fun, and it also kind of helps them get maybe more comfortable in a place they're not. So again, like sadism, it's it's all about creativity. Like where where can you kind of work in, where can you work in these situations of making something uncomfortable in a way that's also still enjoyable for everybody. Or at least somewhat enjoyable for one of you, um, at the most. And it's about being creative with it because, I mean, you can look at other types of play, like rope. Rope can be rope, or rope can be, let's throw some bottle caps in here. Let's, uh, let's make these a little too tight on, like, really muscly places. Not joints, but on really muscly places. Let's um, see if you can walk across a room in this really, really uncomfortable situation that we've created here. Which is what the chain just pulled out of the that's, and there, that's what I'm talking about with the creativity, too. Temperature play. Mess with stuff. Like metal toys are fun for that because you can make them really hot, you can make them really cold. Safely hot, safely cold. Um, 
mummification is one that you can get like super again you can just throw ice cubes down there and just kind of let them melt and work their way through throw a couple bottle caps metal like glass bottle caps they're, they're like super versatile things i love them and everything by the way like you can take a little those little metal bottle caps they're really really they have teeth keep a collection of them you can throw them in rope you can put them into like something like a mummification situation you can make someone kneel on them there's a lot you can do with little metal bottle caps just a little side note there but no like having those different scenarios taking one type of play and turning into something else um let's say someone really likes impact but the next thing you know you pull out a paddle that's been in the freezer way different sensation and some people hate cold so some people hate some people kind of hate heat sometimes sometimes you can do something with knife play and not, if you don't want to actually cut someone you can do something with knife play and you can take a little bit of water around your finger and let it sit in your hand for a minute to get about body temperature like with an ice cube and let it melt down your finger and you act like you just cut someone and let it drip and the fear of the fact that you just cut them kind of starts to settle in because it feels very much like blood i did that once came out of a big bluey knife yeah about two inches shorter than my switch i switched hands and went to a butter knife and just right across the throat that exactly that they, they swore i had just because i had i had that water in my hand and it dribbled they well, it, swore i just slipped because it takes the brain a second to catch up. Like it takes a second to realize you're okay. Like the, the, the emotions going through someone's face in a moment. Like I imagine in that case too, the, the like, did this just, am I dead? Like you actually see people register for a second. Like what just happened? It's, it is, this is probably why I am in fact to say this. It is palpable. Okay. Like it is, oh, palpable. That whole meal in the movie where you see when they throw you through the face go ash, her face went ash. It's like, it's like all the blood that was up here had now dropped below her neck. And in her mind, it probably really did, <laughs> which makes it even better. And that's, but that's what I'm saying, is that type of creativity, because there's nothing dangerous about a butter knife or an ice cube, but like that combination can really, can actually make it a whole big thing. Um, even like some bondage stuff, like some predicament bondage, leave someone in a position that's just a little uncomfortable, but uncomfortable enough for after time, having to shift weight on one leg to another. Um, Careful on the neck, but I, asterisk on this, careful with neck stuff, but it is kind of fun to like let someone decide if they want to step down and kind of choke themselves or if they want to get on their tiptoes to hurt their calf some more or, or have a little bit of like crotch rope so it's going to pull there too. So they can either let this strain off or they can put this strain back on. Then they get to pick which way they hurt. That's fun. Putting someone in a situation like that. Um, or even just a setup. Like I did a scene with one of my buddies and I did a scene with one of my partners, my wife and his wife, we did barbed wire. We put them in a three chairs, kind of back to back to back, barbed wired them to the chairs. And even that was fun because like, while what we'd do is we would each play with one while one was kind of taking a break. But the one taking a break started to realize as they relaxed, as they squirm, there's just, it's, it's pulling. So the barbed wire is doing its job, which also creates a mindfuck because like there's no rest. Like the moment the realization hit in that like, I'm not actually gonna get a break. That's a fun time. So it's about setting up these scenarios of just having fun where it's just, how do you kind of add in a way to make something fun? Or, um, oh, I know someone hates to make, even like simple things like going to a restaurant and then making someone do all the ordering that otherwise would rather not talk to people. That's fun. Also helps them get out of the shell a little bit, but it's also a lot of fun to just kind of 
put people in those scenarios. And again, consensually, because the only thing about public play, I would say, is like other people didn't consent to your stuff. So like keep the public play kind of low key and very hidden. That's my, I, that's, that's a random tangent on mine. I just, there's sometimes a play I see people do in public and I'm just like, I mean, I'm gonna say this, I can't just start punching people in the face, but somehow we can just whatever in front of people and it's fine, but okay. That didn't consent to be in our dynamics or anything like that. So random tangent, but uh, so I see all the time. I used to run an event, we got kicked out of a hotel because of um, a whole group of people that were in very much, they, they littled the hell out of the hotel staff. We'll just put it that way. Non-consensually and the hotel staff got freaked way out. So that was fun. But, the just, but that being said, Again, knowing where you're at, knowing what room you're in, knowing who you're around, big key. Uh, even in, even actually in scenes, and in dungeon spaces, it's good to actually kind of read the room because if you know you're going to be playing in a frenetic way and like you're going to be doing something that's going to cause a lot of like a lot of noise, you know you're going to get a lot of reactions. Let's say you're doing something like pressure points because I've never seen pressure points not cause a lot of sound. Uh, that just tends to bring a lot of noise out of people. Uh, any kind of tickle torture is going to bring a lot of noise and you're in a room that they have in your going and there's a rope scene and there's like a really sensual spanking scene probably okay to just skip ahead to like let the let the person behind you go first and then come back if you know that's what you got planned because it's going to totally ruin the room um and vice versa if you're gonna do something intense and serious and deep and you're in a room of people laughing and kind of being loud probably also best to like give that a second and give it a pause which I say, that, I say that phrase a lot too on like any kind of sadism or play because reading the room is such a huge key, even with your partners, people around. Because of what we're doing, because it can be uncomfortable, because it can be kind of scary, because some people may not know what to expect if they've never been to a dungeon party and then someone's like full on getting dunked into a uh, tub of water or something. That's a little intense. So it's good to read the room, good to kind of know. Doesn't mean you should hold back or like not do things, but it is good to know. And then... I think some other ones. Humiliation is also fun. Giving people a hard time for things that, that for me personally, I kind of take my humiliation. I don't do it to anything physical on a person, but I do like to make fun of people for being kind of messed up as far as being into what they're into. Um, giving them a hard time for enjoying stuff that they shouldn't otherwise be enjoying. Like that's, which then causes more enjoyment. Like I said before, it causes that cycle of just ongoing enjoyment. So you can kind of keep making fun of it. Um, on the degradation side too, like water sports is a, is one that's pretty, can be quite degrading to a person to, to basically piss on them, things like that, which again, no hitting, no slapping, no hurting, you're just stuff like that. Any kind of breath play or breath control is also fairly sadistic because you are actually like taking away someone's ability to breathe, which again, the asterisk on that too is done with the understanding that it is the one type of play that could actually, if they'd gone wrong, kill someone. So super careful on any kind of breath play when I talk about it, but it is also one of my favorite things. So, but it is done with the intense understanding that if done wrong, it's not gonna cause joint issues and it's not gonna cause a scar, like it can actually kill someone. But messing with people's breathing, messing with people's breath, um, making people's body compete with itself is a lot of, is fun when it comes to the breath play. Uh, something I've actually done recently is have you can basically have a bag over someone's head so they can't breathe as well and then start to basically start to like finger fuck them and be like you're going to either pass out or orgasm whichever happens first we'll see 
and it creates like this kind of body competition with themselves, which is also the arousal and that kind of stuff. It's a whole, cause a whole reaction of things. It's quite fun. Um, so like I said, it's all about the creativity though, because when you bring in those, when you bring in like the water with the knife, when you bring in the making someone orgasm against their will or make orgasms become a thing that's not fun anymore when it was, make someone beg to be hit instead of orgasm, that's even more fun. Because now it's like the thing they didn't want is the thing they want and vice versa. All of that stuff is fun. Then when you get into longer term types play, like some Stockholm Syndrome type stuff, when you kind of start to slowly like take stuff away from people over time and kind of have them hidden away, that, that's not, that has to be kind of planned. But if you've got a couple days for a scene or something like that, and you can kind of set that up, that gets intensely fun too because the person starts to depend on you while also you're the one doing all the things to them. So that's a very like fun level of play. And that's why I wanted to kind of go through that before all of the impact parts, because like I said, everyone kind of knows impact. And that's not even getting into cutting, artistic cutting, and, and the, the way you can get the whole different kind of high from any kind of artistic cutting or knife play, especially when you draw blood. Uh, anything that brings out that kind of pain, it's a different feeling, it's a different high for both the top and the bottom than anything than anything impact-based would be. And a lot of the emotional stuff I was just talking about is also a very different high. Some of it is actually not a high during, some of it's a high after because of the like relief. And that's where I was talking with you, like that's the chance to kind of have that connection period. Um, then having like a group torture type situation where you have one bottom and a few tops and the one bottom is kind of fully restrained and whatever happens sort of happens. That intense of a situation is also, and then they may hate it. Like that's actually a whole different side of sadism. Instead of it being fun and being like this whole laughing type scene, they may actually hate it. They may cry the whole way through the scene. They may be uncomfortable the entire time, and that's okay as long as it's negotiated what was planned upon and there's a way out, obviously. But that is a whole different side of sadism too, which it took me a while, because I knew I was fine with the fun, upbeat, energetic. Probably my second play party. Didn't take long to figure out like, okay, that's a thing. It took me a while to figure out that like, oh no, like you letting me keep going while you absolutely hate this is a thing. It's like, it's very much a thing. Realizing like how turned on I was with someone like crying but still letting me hit them, someone basically breaking down. That is a whole, th that is its own type of scene. And it's a different level. And if you're gonna do that again, I would, Exercise caution with who you do a scene where you actually break a person because like you, you kind of have to be around to put them back together So it, it would probably be best to be someone you at least like have a decent relationship with um, Not not quite or if it is a stranger like an interrogation type setup They have someone that's there for that it would be a good question to ask in that type of scenario because it's different it's not just gonna be like a little bit of drop, like a hangover the next day. Like there's like probably some emotional processing that might come after it for both sides. So it's a way different setup when you're, cause like there's definitely been times I've had those kind of scenes where I'm like, man, what is, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why did I like that? Um, why did, was she actually okay? Like I straight gut punched this girl and she uh, fell down and cried. Like, is she actually okay? Am I a monster? Like these are things that happen after these type of scenes. And it's good to also be able to reconnect with the person that you did them with to make sure because it's good to know. Because like, oh my gosh, I love that. That was one of my favorite things I've ever had happen. And you're just like, okay, cool, good. I mean, I might still be a monster, but you're fucked up too, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> at, least, at least we're the same degree of fucked up, so it's okay. Um, 
But like I said, that's another that's another whole aspect to it. And I didn't even, oh, I didn't get to water. Water also tons of tons of sadistic shit to do with water. Simple things like in a scene just to pour some on somebody, especially if they don't, especially if they have sensory processing stuff. Like they, they're gonna hate it because it gets colder as it as it. It might be not, or it gets warmer as it sits, right? So pouring some water on somebody, spinning some water on somebody, again consensually, someone will let you because you do that to the wrong person that didn't consent to that, they will probably kill you, rightfully so. Um, dunking someone in water, waterboarding, which again is a whole that's a that's its own whole class. So I'm not gonna go super detailed on that, but waterboarding done right, and the one thing I'd say on the not done right is the person needs to either be sitting up or tilted. Never flat, because flat is uh, super dangerous. That's actually the, because waterboarding is one of those things that you probably can't actually drown someone unless you're leaving them flat. That's the one place where the water doesn't actually get a chance to evacuate. So if you ever do get into waterboarding, make sure to do a lot of research, because laying someone flat can actually cause the water to stay in their lungs and can cause some very serious long-term problems, as opposed to having them inverted or sitting up. It'll just kind of flush out. Um, so still they like kind of, Tip on that, but it is again. That's another one though to watch someone react to because if someone feels like they're drowning, even though they're not, they're gonna react in a way like someone who's drowning. They're gonna try if you've got them cuffed in a bathtub, something like that. You're taking a little shower head, and just kind of letting it do its thing. They are. Uh, they're gonna fight. They're gonna try to get out of it, and that is its own appeal as well. And it does lead to an intense type of floatiness after because like the relief of it being over is it's it's just like a super super high. So. Yeah, it's just it's creativity. You can make all these different scenarios. You can combine scenarios. Like I said, I talked about water sports and waterboarding. You can actually kind of do both. You can piss on the rag before you spray them with it, which is just cruel. Fun, but cruel. Um, or you can leave someone like hooded. You can put a little bit of water on the hood to make it a little difficult to breathe, but not too much when you leave them in a closet or something and kind of leave that. Or you can leave something pleasurable just out of reach. Um, like put a vibrator on chain and put the chain in the cunt or put it like put a vibrator on chain and put the chain up like towards someone's asshole or something like that it's going they can feel it but it's not enough and it'll never be enough and that's also fun because you just get to it's like it's like a song with a bass that never drops the beat never actually drops and it's just super frustrating so those are different types of sadism as well like just just little frustrating dickish things are kind of frustrating um for some people, uh, I, it has been put, some people like symmetry a lot, so you don't have to be symmetric. You can be intentionally non-symmetric and really, really fuck with someone because they're just waiting for that next hit. Or, or be symmetric, like cause this is more in an impact, but like be symmetric, spank, 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 be symmetric, be rhythmical, and then stop. Be completely chaotic and frenetic, just mix it up. It, it's such a mind fuck on people, it's so fun. And that's where most of it comes from is the mindfuck side. It's not even actually the physical what you're doing because some of the, I've probably named things that some of your partners and some of you guys would like that have never crossed my mind, but it's a thing you like and you can actually make it a little more fun with like adding in some spice to it. Do it. It's about being creative and figuring out like how to make this a little less comfortable, how to make it just a little less, how to make it a little more interesting, so to speak. Put the scenarios of like kind of forcing it into a lot of it comes down to like mind fucks and, and forcing this, like almost forcing choices. Like a lot of the predicament stuff is forcing choices. Like which way do you want to hurt? 
um, some of the frenetic stuff is forcing someone to, like now they want you to hit them because they were used to, you've almost like Pavlovian response someone into being hit on both sides equally and now you're not. Or you keep not hitting, like for example with a caning, sometimes I'll keep not actually, I'll just keep pulling a strike. Beep. Like I'll, I mean I'll come all up to, like I swing, boop. And eventually they actually want the real hit. It's like, can you just fucking hit me already? Sure, whap. And as soon as, like, as soon as those words come out of someone's mouth, bam, fuck. I knew your face. Someone who, someone who hates asymmetry right there. Uh, like what you just said, what you just said, she's, she's just checked out. She's like, hard limit, red, I'm out. But, um. You did that once. And the girl said that because it was pain on one side, no pain on the other, she had to create a pad that was uncomfortable to sit on <laughs> to make it work for the week until the bruising went away. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I also, oh, another thing too, even post it, if you have done a scene with a lot of bruises and a lot of like, it's fun to just find speed bumps. Find parking lots with lots of speed bumps. Hit them. Let it, let it be a little reminder. Or uh, I remember one time, like one of the first times my wife and I played, and she had like some, back when she bruised a lot, she had some really good bruises, and we were at this little coffee shop, and I was like, oh gosh, I forgot a straw. Can you grab me a straw? Because it didn't hurt when she was sitting, right? If she was sitting for a while, like kind of, she got used to it. It was the getting up and sitting back down. So she, go, she grabbed a straw, and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot a spoon. I just kept, for, I'm, she's like, you're doing this on purpose, aren't you? I was like, oh, absolutely. 100%, but it's fun. So... And like the last part I want to go into is impact because it is the most popular type of like when people think of like sadism, sadomasochism is impact. So I did want to talk some about it. I didn't want to like not do it. I just didn't want to start there because I feel like anyone goes to a play party or something, that's kind of like the de, de, de facto, like, oh, people like hitting people, people spanking, people, whatever. And, and really the mental sides and the emotional sides are actually a whole lot more fun to play with. And when you get those... Even the impact side and the hitty side, now you're not just hitting something till it bleeds, or you're not just, it, there's, it's not so much with less purpose, I guess you could say. Now there's a little more entertainment to it. There's a little more intentionality behind it, and the intentionality makes it so much stronger. Makes the scene better, makes the energy better, all of it. See, like that right there is super rhythmic, so see if they just stopped and went. All of a sudden, it would really fuck with the person on the other end of that paddle. But... Um, there. there you go. <laughs> um, well played. So, could have taught that better, actually. That's awesome. <laughs> like with what you're saying, some of the and, and start, start, start getting to the metronome, and then all of a sudden become half a, half a beat off. Mm. Mm. Oh, that'd be frustrating. But the stroke's no longer hitting on the click. Oh, I didn't do that. <laughs> or, well, no, but something you could do as a top probably is if you have a song, follow the melody, then switch to the harmony. With no, like, because you're still, you're still in beat, so it's not messing with you. But then a person on the other end, they were, they were kind of, whether they were doing it consciously or not, they were following that. They're like, wait, the beat just changed, but it didn't change. Still part of the song. So that's also really fun to do. Mm-hmm. Change in tempo. That's what, that's what a lot of us say, because I was talking about the, the, psychological aspect like finding ways to make even like the most mundane stuff interesting and try to make it more of a decision and challenge and try to put that oomph on it a little bit of spice to it so to speak 
But then with impact, there's also different types of play. Like when we get into impact, <laughs> it might not be. Is, it, is that one over? Is it, is it already about, we're about time. On the impact side, I will say this, there are just a few different types of play. When people think of it, they think thuddy, stingy. But actually go a little bit deeper than that. Uh, surface level versus depth, plus thud, plus sting, plus intensity plus concentration. And the reason I say all that, which I'm gonna make this like super fast, is when people think of something thuddy, like a big metal paddle would be thuddy. But if I flick it with my wrist and hit you with the flat end, it's actually gonna be really slappy because it's a lot of surface area and it's not very deep. Uh, or something like an acrylic cane or like a really thick rattan cane. It's gonna be stingy as hell, but it's also deep. And most people don't associate stingy and deep together. So it's a very different sensation. Um, Something super concentrated like a whip cracking on someone, it's very stingy, it's in one very tiny spot. Versus something like a dragon tail hit or something like a thicker, that's going to be a very like dispersed blow, but also stingy, which is a completely different feeling. Something like a spank. If you spank with your open hand, with your hand open and let, let like your palm do the work, you're gonna get a more concentrated like slap. Or if you cup your hand a little bit, you're gonna get a louder slap, but it's actually gonna feel better to the person you're hitting. Or if you throw a glove on, the next thing you know, you've turned this into a thuddy hit. And you can go a lot longer because eventually your hand does start to feel it. Um, punches and kicks and stuff like that, those are thuddy but concentrated. And then when you get into something like a bat or a baton, something that's very heavy and thuddy, that's going to be a nice concentrated blow. That's going to be a very different sensation than something that's thuddy but dispersed like a really heavy flogger. A really heavy flogger is actually kind of nice. And then as far as depending on the bottom you have, they might need like rhythmic and they might need kind of a predictable flow on it. But if you have a bottom that can take something more frenetic, sometimes if you can use both hands, you can Florentine or anything like that. Uh, something I like to do that really fucks with people is I have this rubber flogger that's pointy. It is scratchy. It is like, it's literally like being scratched by a rubber dragon or something, okay? And then I have this really heavy buffalo hide flogger that it, as my wife actually puts it, is being hit by a Michael Kors purse over and over again. So like to put one in one hand and one in the other in Florentinos, those sensations almost immediately back to back, fucks with people so bad. Um, it is such a like terrible, terrible sensation blow. And even using whips, even with whips, like when you get kind of good with them, to go from brushing someone lightly and to kind of like having a little nice puffed and then just, just follow through with the hit the next time and just let it pop all the way. The next thing you know, they've gotten used to it, not then boom, light them up. And then maybe let it go a little bit and then come back to soft and kind of keep that rhythm going. Those are a different type of sensation to use in play. And like I said, when you take those different sensations and what they do, plus the different sensations of how things feel, hot, cold, scratchy, versus like abrasive, versus soft, take texture into account and the room you're in, take all the mental stuff we talked about into account too. And you kind of bring all that together. The next thing you know, you can kind of start to custom make like what you're doing. You can, it doesn't even matter what's in your tool play, like in your toy bag, right? Cause like, okay, someone likes study stuff and I've had my whip bag. Most of them have a steel core handle and I don't put uh, wrist loops on my whip so I can actually hit with the handle. So now I can make a whip scene kind of thuddy and I can also make a whip scene very sensual by just like popping over someone and dragging the fall across so I can switch between those two things. And it'd be a very different scene than someone that I'm whipping to the point that they're like bleeding, right? It'd be two very different scenes, same toy, 
or have a few different toys and mix up the sensations. So if you have someone that you know would get, if you're really trying to be like a dick, because I do kind of think also that sadists are really just brats with toys. Like we're, we're still, we're, we're brats, we're just not on the bottom side. We're brats that actually like are in control. It's dangerous, or we think we are at least. Um, would you do that? You got someone who likes something methodical and you know you can give that to them, but you can also start to switch it up with the same toy and kind of mess with them a little bit and bring them to that point. Or you know that you have some scary toys that you don't necessarily have to use on them, but you can just use around them as long as it's considered, like, so you can make that fear play a part. Again, whips are one that I'm a huge fan. They can be quite loud. Um, even not hitting someone, just popping a whip towards someone's hair, flicking their hair with it is a pretty scary thing. So that's how you mix that part in or mixing in the mixing in the different temperatures, the different types of the different predicament bondage type stuff we talked about, like mixing all this into a scene. The next thing you know, instead of being at a party with a toy bag, just hitting somebody on a cross, now it's kind of become like this whole dance. And it is, I promise you more times than not going to be more interesting for you and also more interesting for the person you're playing with. As long as you're dancing the right dance. If they're, if they're trying to samba and you're trying to mambo, that's not great because you're going to be out of step. If they're doing a three-beat waltz and you are doing some street dance, you're going to be way out of step. So as long as that dance is in step, it's going to be great. And that's actually kind of the whole point with the sadism part because when I think about it, when I think about like, because I love it. I love messing with people. I love fucking with people. You can probably tell by the, even just my sense of humor here. I just like it. I mess with people. I always have. Um, when you take that like mischievous little evilness to it, so to speak, and you combine it with competency and confidence, you end up with like way better and a way more like, I guess, intentional type scene. Which is kind of my goal. If anybody goes out and like goes inside to hit the open dungeon space or whatever and is like, you know what? Let's try to put some intent behind this. Let's make this a little more, a little more intentional and just a little more interesting. Good. Good. That's like the whole class worth it then. Like if anyone goes to Dungeon Night and does that. Like, cool. But with that, and I know, I think we have an hour and a half. I don't have an hour and a half of material, and I'm not, I'm not enough of a sadist to force y'all through a half an hour of, of me making shit up. So, but that being said, I would, I would love to do any kind of questions or anything like that, though, if anyone has. So you said that initially it was, like, easy for you to do the when they're super into it. Mm -hmm. How did you, like, come around to, like, if they're crying, or how did you, like, build that trust with that person? Mm. It's actually kind of three questions in one there, but I'm, that's okay. I'm going to answer them all. So the first part, how did I find out I was into it? In the weirdest of all places. Um, I found out I was really into it by, yeah, why not? Let's tell the story. I was like actually face fucking and grabbing on, grabbing on my, my wife's nipple and she was whining and like really kind of not liking it very much. And the more she whined, I didn't mean to finish it and just did. And I was like, oh, that's a whole thing. Like the actual tortury discomfort part just caused me to like that. So I realized that there was probably more to that worth exploring. As far as the building the trust, that also comes back to, to both my slave and a couple other play partners. Um, I had a partner who was into suffering. That was like her thing. So I had to get comfortable being okay with that kind of scene. And the more I did it, the more I realized I actually really loved it. And then my own slave would sometimes, when I talked about pulling back in the middle of a scene when maybe that was the wrong move because it looked like there was a lot of discomfort, it looked like it was really causing this person a lot of distress, I, her and I talked and like she kind of made me realize that she was dropping really hard because like she's good at communicating and she let me know like, hey, 
you can actually keep going. Like you're good. Like it hurts, but I don't want you to stop. And I had to trust it. And like kind of the first few, the first few times, super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. But after a few times of doing it, I actually realized it's something I really love doing. And it tended to make a much better scene for her as well. But it took that conversation and her also communicating her needs as well to be like, hey, no, like I, I sometimes don't like it. I'm in my head and I can't get space and I don't fall into that rhythm and I don't love it. And that's probably the worst time to stop because she's like, I'm gonna leave with that thought for the rest of the day, for the rest of the night and all into tomorrow. Basically the point where you stopped is the last thought that she was stuck Yep. For the rest of the time. So he puts through the thought. Right. And that's where it also comes to what we were talking about before. The other part of that, as far as the comfort on my end, the confidence and the competence and the confidence. Knowing that what you're doing is not actually causing real harm. Like knowing the difference between like the distress, like reading the room, as I said. And also having the confidence that like, hey, we had this conversation, like this was a go. She actually said, this is the last place she wants me to stop. So like, I'm going to push through. And then also doing yourself as a top, like pushing your own limits. Be like, hey, I can push through. Like I'm, I'm allowed to do this. And again, as I started getting people that were into some crazier stuff, I was like, I actually do have the skill set. The only time I'll really kind of push back on something now is if I don't think I have the skill set. Because if I don't have the skill set, I'm like, mm, that's not, nope, I'm not that level. And I'm fast to say I'm not that level on something too, by the way. Like I'm, I'm not going to fuck someone up. Like, oh, I want you to try blah, blah, blah. Mm. Who do you know that knows it? Because that's not me. What's your opinion on someone that maybe enjoys everything? I mean, you've gone through your entire imagination and story. And maybe they just they just enjoy everything, but you, it's almost frustrating because you want to get to the... To the breaking point? ...unenjoying end. Like, how do you find that when there practically are no boundaries? Uh, two things. The first one is, it depends on how no boundaries we're talking, because if, if someone wants to know, but, and I do this, I actually used to say this as a joke, but if someone's like, oh, I don't have any limits, which is like a super red flag. But I know what you're yeah, saying, but no, but that's, yeah, but no, that's where I'm usually like, so I can shave your head then. But yeah. I mean, the first thing I go to, I'm like, so I can shave your head and now your tits to a board. I'm like, like, what? I'm like, no limits. Let's go. Um, but no, the other part of that is maybe less. Because I, I, there was actually this, this, one part, this one person I used to play with, she would brat. And she was like, well, you're just, you'll do whatever. She'd like, oh, I'm going to brat with you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you think I'm going to hit you harder? I'm actually just going to hit you. I will do an entire scene of missing. The whole thing. And she's like, you would hate that because you would get, I was like, you'd hate it more and I would love that. <laughs> Like, let's play chicken on this train. Let's go. So, and she actually was like, okay. It was funny because she thought about it for a second. I was like, fuck. She, I think she basically sat down with fuck. Okay, that's awesome. She was expecting to get the strike for, for being the brat. Yeah. So you flip it. That you, you don't give her the punishment. You actually give her the punishment. Right. But like, no, I will flat miss you the entire time. I will put my hand on your throat and then move it. Yeah. I will, I, no squeeze, no blood choke. I will rear back like I'm going to slap and then just do, I will, I will spend an hour finding creative ways to not hit someone just to piss them off. So that, that's, that's an idea on that too. If you want to like really like, like go in, like you're going to go hard, pull out the worst toys you've got. And then or like with whip, sometimes I'll just be like, do, 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 do. So that's, that's, that would be an answer on that too. 
is kind of just go into it like you're going to go super hard and then don't. Like subvert expectations. Because that's what a lot of it is, is subverting expectations. And then as soon as they start to get into that and act like that's not bothering them, go right straight to 10 on something really painful. But then don't. Just, to, just enough to taste like this is what it could be, but it's not going to be. Um, keep on, like I was saying with the canes, like keep on, actually, I'll pull a cane out for that one because I love doing this to people. Like, this is an evil ass cane too. But no, you go full strike. And just, just don't. And you let it swish. You. That's it. Just don't even, don't even actually hit. And then as soon as someone starts to get a little impatient, like, will you fucking hit me already? Boom. Almost no warning whatsoever. So, that's a lot of fun. But that would be my go-to play on that, which I don't know if it'll work. It's worked for me in the past, but I don't know. That would be my go-to play in a situation yeah, no, like that. Yeah, that would be the opposite. That's great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. you're, everything you're describing, and, and more importantly, the way you're describing these things, uh, you've got a certain amount of glee. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, no, you can tell. <laughs> um, it's basically confirming kind of what my instinct was. Um, because before I ever thought I could be a sadist, I'm like, nah, I'm on top. I really like to fuck with people. Mm -hmm. I really like to, to kind of be a brat uh, on the top side. And that's really coming across. Mm, I'm Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what, I, what I probably actually am. Oh, yeah, no, actually, like, somebody once told me, like, someone wants to do it, the term brat tamer, like, oh, you're a brat tamer. I was like, no, 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 no. Actually, like, I hate that term. Personally, if someone's into it, like, that's fine. I personally don't like the term. I'm like, no, I just out brat. Like, I'm just a bigger brat. I'm not, I'm not taming it at all. I don't want it tamed, actually. I'm just going to be worse. Uh, it's like a challenge. It's like a game. And I, I'm fine with that game, especially in a scene. Because there's a big difference. People also kind of confuse, like, there's a big difference between, like, we're in a high protocol dinner versus we're having a scene at a play party. Um, those energies can be, yeah, that's one of those both end things. Like, oh, they're really bratty. Well, here, but not in other places, but whatever. Like, cool. Whatever makes you feel better about your dynamic. Have, have a nice day. Uh, <laughs> but no, you're right. Being a bratty top, that's all it is. Also, again, to confirm, like, on that daddy side, too, what you were talking about, the softness after is a real thing. It's a huge thing. Um, speaking of subverted expectations, I've had plenty of times where people are like, wow, I didn't expect you to be, like, so sweet, too. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah. Because that same attentiveness that comes in a scene to knowing what works is the same attentiveness that comes to like taking care of a person too. So, well, that's good. I'm glad that I actually confirmed that. That's good. And yeah. Embrace it, man. Enjoy it. And what else? It's okay if anyone has any questions either. It's, it's okay, like I said. No, go ahead. Uh, as far as the whips and stuff go, do you teach any classes? Or do you know someone who does? I, or? Uh, well, there are, and I don't. So I can't, astronauts, I don't actually know the person teaching it here, but there is a 101, a 201, and a 301 here this weekend. Yeah. Um, um, I... Will his next class at 12 o'clock in Capital South? Yes. And I, <laughs> Fair, fair. Mumbles back there, fair. And also, um, I'm from the Charlotte area. I actually do them a lot up there as well. I do them several times, actually. Uh, up in the Charlotte area, I do them uh, several times. Road trip. Oh, well, so I don't know if that's too far. I don't know where it was from. So, but yeah, I do. I do several of them myself. Um, a great resource online. Though. Oh, actually, no, a great resource online for whips. I got a Dex D E X Dex. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book called Whips in a Dungeon, 
And he has a video series. If you are a FET supporter, it's on FET, but there's also a website on his page if you're not a FET supporter. And he has a YouTube channel that's called Whips in a Dungeon. And he does some great whip. The way he teaches whips is pretty easy to translate if you've ever thrown a flog or anything else. I actually like it. I've stolen some of it from my class. I told him as much, but I flat told him he's like good. But uh, all of those are good resources too. He is a very, very knowledgeable, but he also understands learning. So he teaches in a way that you can understand it here. Because I've seen some people do whip classes where I'm like, yeah, like if I didn't already know what I was doing though, I would walk out of here not knowing what I was doing. And then sometimes I walk, but his, his is one I was like, if I had no clue, I would be great at this. So I do recommend his, him as a resource. I, have a, I think a couple, because he doesn't, he doesn't do two-hand work, so he reached out to some friends for some two-handed techniques. Cause he did a whole series on two-handed techniques, and he is, he's amazing with his right hand, but he is not a left-handed guy at all. So. That's a good question, though. That's actually a great one. Anyone else got, again, anything I want to ask, fine. If not, that's also fine. We can make. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's actually just D, it's underscore D underscore. That's it. Yeah, it's just D. Yeah, it's like underscore D underscore. I tried to do dash dash, but that was taken. That's disappointing. So it's underscores. My actual name is Dalton, and D seemed like a good C name. So if I ran into someone in the scene and ran into someone with an L life, and they're like D, no one would think twice about it. And then her name starts with an S too, so it was like a DS thing too. It's just like it's clever. It's cle it clever, like back in 2016, 17 when I thought about it. <laughs> And feel free to shoot messages or reach out. Um, typically do respond, I'm on there. Sometimes too much if it's been a really uh, shitty day at work. <laughs> but you know, whips is one too. If you get into whips, you should definitely do it. Ha! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is so hard to be subtle. This is why I try to get your attention. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 so this was, I was trying. Sorry. Oh no, you're no, you're fine. Actually, actually, it was probably it was probably like more distracting trying to be subtle. I was actually joking. We were we we're, were the people. I was actually joking. I was like, whispering is actually the easiest way to wake someone up. No, nothing says listen to my conversation like whispering. Just throw that out there. Nothing says stop everything you're doing and get quiet and listen like whispering. Like you'd be better off just talking and be like, what did you say? Oh, don't worry about it. So. Ooh, actually, that, even that, like, so you could, like, just start whispering some shit in a scene. Just to, like, make sure. Like, do some weird shit. Just, like, say some weird shit. Just be like, I don't know. What are you talking about? Put, put a barrier. Put your headphones on with music and then just put an underscore of, of whispering. Just as, as that whispering level under the music. Or pick only songs that have that weird note in them that always sounds like a doorbell. I don't know if y'all have that problem when you're listening to a song. Was that the doorbell? Pick only songs that have that problem for an entire scene so someone always thinks there's someone at the door. I used to work in a blade shop and a group that I for the residence fairs and the group had put out a CD that they had done one song. It was the seventh song on their CD. It was called Seven. It was seven minutes and 77 seconds long. I put the CD on. It's cool. I could listen to the whole thing. I got another rhythm of the music. Then the, then the guy across from me got another rhythm of the music, Fucking Blades. And then the guy on the other side of the shop who has his own Pantera, uh, Guar, all that type of music, uh -huh. his own headphones, his grinding blades, got into the same pattern as the chant on the CD. Mm -hmm. The song ended, 
I shut it off, and we all stopped at the exact same time. I went to the go. break room, sat down, grabbed our drink, took a drink, and we looked at each other going, that song is never allowed <laughs> with anyone that's all here ever again. It's kind of amazing, actually, though. <laughs> he said he couldn't hear the music, but he started feeling it. Huh. Well, especially everybody else is in rhythm too, because the next thing you know, you just yeah, that makes sense. I see that. Right, any other questions? And for the record, no one's gonna judge your. Well, I mean, I might judge your question, but probably not. Pro probably no one's judge your question. There's no question is like a dumb or too personal of a question because I'm an open book. So. Do you think that any bottom can like be compatible with a sadist, or do you feel like there's a type of person that is best suited? Ooh. That's a really good question, actually. I'd almost say it depends upon your type of statistic likes. Um. I, yeah, I would say that, that that's a huge it depends, but also my knee-jerk reaction is kind of yes, but then I'm also kind of like, no. Um, well, no, it depends. Like, the reason I say it depends, it depends on how ingrained that is. Like, for me, personally, like the sadistic side is very much ingrained in my dynamics, sex life, like the whole thing. So for me, no, I guess someone would have to, even if they weren't necessarily like a traditional masochist, like they loved it, even if it was like masochism as a service and they kind of like loved to hate it for me, that would be fine. But it would still have to be present, right? Like it couldn't just not be. Um, that being said though, typically those things are, and as far as play goes, mm, well, no, because like there's a certain type of play I like to do, and if, if someone's not in that kind of play, like they they probably wouldn't have a great time with me, and I wouldn't either, and that just seems kind of silly, honestly. Now that being said, if someone is into certain things, like again, I do have a friend who she hates whips, and whips are like my thing, and we still do whip scenes where I don't actually hit her, and it's it's a lot of fun. So like there there's there's a way there's a way to figure things out if if, if the, you and the person have a connection enough, I guess. But if it's just like pickup play or something and someone is looking for a like really methodic, sensual, like spanking type scene and A, B, C, D, like boom, boom, boom. And like that's what they like say they're really looking for and then I'm not their top. And I'll say it, like it's nothing against them either because it's, it's what they want. They're asking for it. That's perfectly fine. It's not me. If someone is like, hey, for aftercare, I like require cuddles for 30 minutes or something. I'm not to be a dick about it, but I'm, that's not me. Like my first question is, can someone else do it? No, okay, that's not me. I'm not your top friend. And so that's not yourself. So again, a lot of it comes to that negotiation, that conversation. But if someone's wanting to try a bunch of stuff and they're like, oh my gosh, I've never like had a whip on me. I've never like seen all these different types of canes before. And I've seen you play a few times. Like I want to like see what you're doing. Okay, that, that's probably gonna be fine. I'm gonna be able to go hard. I'm gonna have to like go through a bunch of different toys to give a take. That's fine. That's gonna be a fun scene because it's the kind of top I am. Now again, if you're like a really slow, methodical, kind of like that type of top, and somebody is, I really like high energy and like a lot of different sensations, like that's probably not a person you're gonna have a good time playing with, and they're not gonna have a good time with you either. And the energy is gonna be off the whole time. You're just gonna be like, mm. It's gonna feel like, I don't know. It's gonna feel like if you ever try to press the gas on a car that's like still in park. It's gonna feel like a lot of effort went to going nowhere. So I would say that, that no, not always, and some of us know what kind of top you are. And you may not know, because like there's been people I played with that I thought would be fun. And, I didn't know what type of top I was, and I was like, I hated this. I didn't tell them that, obviously, because I'm not, like, you don't, you don't put down somebody. It's not their fault I didn't know. But I've told, I've told my wife later, I'm just like, I, that was not a fun scene for me. I was like, nothing about that fit my style. And she was like, no, it didn't look fun. I was like, no, 
So, some of us learning too. But I said, the answer that's no, nah, and it's okay. It's okay because like whoever doesn't fit with you probably fits perfect with somebody else. And whoever you don't fit with, you will fit perfect. Like whatever your style ends up being, someone else is going to be like that. Whatever it is, if, even if it's Florentining rubbing rubber chickens on someone in a dungeon, which I've seen people do. Like even if that's your weird ass style, someone is like, that's my thing right there. That's me. So, so like I said, the answer to that is you could make it work, but would you have a good time? It's one of those like Jeff Goldblum, like just because you can, should you? Probably not. <laughs> right? Like took too much time for that if you could. You'd never ask yourself if you should. So. Well, that, unless anyone else got anything else, I'm, I'm pretty well wrapped up. Because like I said, I'm not going to keep you all just for a second time. Like I'm not going to torture anybody just to like hear me drone on. I, I don't even like my own voice sometimes. So. Um. <laughs> Now, if I was back, it's because in 101, I would just make everyone sit here for the night. We'd talk about something completely unrelated, and then I would switch subjects with no, with little to no uh, warning. But. This was really great. Yeah, it's really good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Especially nice to meet you, too. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast, and we welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max.